companies are amassing more and more personal data. Used properly, it can help customers find the products and services they want. A win-win that's making everybody happy then. Well, not quite. We'll be exploring the issue. You're listening to The Profit Margin with First Trust Bank. Hello there, welcome to The Profit Margin with me, Naomi McMullen and Jamie DeLarge. A UK-wide survey carried out by the Chartered Institute of Marketing has revealed findings that should disturb anyone who's in the selling business. Consumers have become cynical and are now unwilling to share their personal information. And the reason? Marketers are falling behind when it comes to honesty, transparency and even knowing the law. Steve Woolley is Head of External Affairs for the Chartered Institute of Marketing. He was in Belfast recently. Jimmy asked him about what's the benefit to customers when it comes to sharing data. The benefit to consumers lies in using the data in order to target things at them which might be particularly relevant to them. Uh, and in turn to not target to them uh, things like advertising which perhaps they won't be interested in. So on the one hand there is in in terms of advertising and promotion a benefit to customers of getting information about products and services that will really relate to them so that there's not such a um, uh, an amount of chaff blown at them. They, They get things that are really relevant. So that's advertising. Then on the other hand Um, whole business models are now being constructed around collecting data from people in order to provide them with a service, a very specific service, which relies on the use of that data. And the most obvious one is taxi hailing applications, um, which rely on knowing where you are at any given time and, and other bits of information about you so that when you need it, you can get a taxi at a great moment uh, when you absolutely need to go somewhere. Consumers would be even more worried if they could peer into the minds of the marketers. The survey showed only 30% of them give top priority to customers' trust in relation to personal data. Given that sort of attitude, it's hardly surprising that 70% of marketers indicated they were reluctant to hand over their own personal information. Our research found that in Northern Ireland, uh, nearly 80% of people don't actually see the benefits of sharing data. When we asked them, do you think you get a value from sharing your data with businesses? 80% said, no, I don't see a particular value. Um, And I think there's a trust issue as well in that um, 60% uh, of people in Northern Ireland said that they don't trust companies to use their data responsibility when they do responsibly, when they do share it with them. So, you know, they're not seeing the benefits And they're not really trusting organisations with their data. So although there's potential for great business benefit, giving people great service and product, there's actually a trust issue building up here. One of the things we're saying as a result of this research that we've done is that businesses and the marketers that work within them um, need to go through a kind of culture change, if you like, They need to get back to basics and they need to be straight with their customers. They need to be open with them about the way they collect data, what they're going to do with it. 
um, they need to make the benefits clear to customers. You know, we're collecting your data, but we're doing it for a good reason. You're going to get this in return. Um, and they need to show that they respect their customers' data, make it very clear and very obvious that uh, when they collect the information, they use it in an appropriate way and they keep within the rules um, and set that out very clearly in the terms and conditions. And what we're saying is if, if businesses do that, then they can win that trust, they can maintain it, and, and that helps them to drive business value in the long term. Give me some practical steps that uh, companies could take to improve the level of trust that their customers have in them. So tell them what you're doing, make your terms and conditions very clear, be very straightforward and human, and explain. So for example, very simple things, if you don't pass people's data on to third parties, say that very clearly. That's not hard to do. And we found that customers as well are reassured by quite simple things organisations can do. Um, if you collect financial data, people are very reassured if you use safe payment methods. There are, there are various ways that that can be done. Um, that when you collect personal data or, or um, particularly financial data, uh, a protected window opens to collect that. People feel reassured by that. And for smaller businesses, some of this is very, very simple. People say that they're reassured and more trusting if they can see a personal face to the business. So a phone number and address uh, on a website is, in fact, a very reassuring thing to customers. So it's very simple, really. It's, it's get yourself straight internally and be open with your customers. Steve Woolley there. Well, Jack Butler is the CFO of American company MRP, a company now owned by First Derivatives. They're a marketing firm powered by data and software. They set up in Belfast in 2010. Since then, they've grown the team from five to 200. Like many executives who come here, Jack is impressed both by the quality of the recruitment pool and the facilities this city has to offer. He says we should celebrate our achievements more. Jimmy caught up with him earlier and began by asking him about the business. We're a a full-service global marketing agency offering clients predictive and also account-based marketing solutions to help them understand uh, who their buyers might be and where that buying opportunity might, uh, might lie. Just explain to me the extent of your operation here in Belfast. We have 200 staff that are focused on clients and their resellers that are based in Europe as well as Africa and the Middle East. Uh, That staff has grown from zero back when we started in Belfast in 2010 to the, the 200 that we have now, and we have very ambitious plans for growing that even further in the future. Why is Belfast such an attractive destination for MRP? When we're exploring where to bring uh, our business global, the first place that we bring our business global, we found Belfast to, to welcome our business. They wanted MRP to be part of the uh, the Belfast fabric years ago, and uh, wanted us to help to scale as Belfast scaled as a business. Uh, also, the talent in Belfast we found. We were looking for very entrepreneurial-minded team members that were ready to do what it takes to get a business off the ground and then make it greatly successful. And we found that in Belfast. One imagines that uh, as you have put out the feelers to attract staff, you may be bringing back to Belfast some people who left here uh, when there weren't so many job opportunities. Is that the case? 
Yes, uh, we, we've, we're fortunate to be able to recruit uh, across Europe, and then even um, with our offices in other parts of the world, we'll, we'll find people that were formerly living in Northern Ireland that have moved to other places that are now working with MRP. And we offer something different. I mean, we offer them a, a career uh, in marketing uh, in marketing solutions that, uh, that I think has become very attractive in the marketplace that has pivoted in the direction of account-based marketing in recent years. It seems, it seems a little bit strange to ask you this as, as an American, but um, what arguments would you advance to persuade people who have left Northern Ireland in search of work opportunities now to consider coming back here? There's a host of them, and uh, after now living in Northern Ireland and in Belfast for the last year and a half, I have a better understanding for what makes Belfast special. And I would encourage uh, all those that maybe have left and haven't experienced Belfast in some time to, to come back and refresh their understanding of this great city. There's a tremendous amount of, of development going on. There, there's companies such as MRP that are moving in every day. And there's a, a vibe of, uh, of really moving forward and excitement around that uh, for companies big and small. One might think that um, sometimes that you reduce your horizons by being in Belfast. Is, is that a right perspective? No, because Belfast, uh, even though it's a, it's a smaller city, it has a world of, of capabilities with two airports, with the connections to, to the larger Europe. We've been able to run our European operation from Belfast uh, very effectively. Uh, getting people to the markets they need to go to, but then also uh, from Belfast being able to engage with our clients and the resellers and the prospective customers across Europe, through Africa, as well as parts of the Middle East, without any limitation. Uh, all we need is the talent that knows those markets and can speak the languages that allow us to engage uh, as we would as if we were in uh, those countries themselves. Um, we're always fascinated by how others see us and particularly how Americans and American decision makers see us. What would you think would be the current assessment? Sure, Jamie. I think the current assessment is that there, there's change in Belfast and there's recognition of all of the, the steps forward that have been taken in the last couple of decades. But I don't think there's a full appreciation for just how exciting Belfast has become. All the great things that are happening here, all of the, the cranes that are uh, building new buildings here. And so I think it's important that those that are uh, with that perception are coming to Belfast and learning uh, firsthand about what makes this city so special and also having an eye towards uh, where Belfast is heading in 2020 and beyond so that they know that for both business and professional opportunities. You've said a, a, a lot of uh, positive things about Belfast, and, and indeed they're appreciated. But what do you think we should be doing that we're not doing? And I'm talking about uh, our drive to bring in investment. I think there's, uh, like anywhere, there's going to be a, a number of, of good things going on and then also some areas that you can improve upon. 
um, like any country, like any business, like any uh, person in their lives. And I would like to see Belfast uh, uh, accentuate the positive more, that, uh, that there's a, a great story to tell, as we've talked about previously, and sometimes uh, we're, we're hesitant to, to really extend and really celebrate all the good that's happening and because there are some things that are still being worked out. So I would, if I had one uh, piece of advice for, for the city of Belfast, it's to, to really appreciate just how far things have come, celebrate that success, and then set plans for some of those areas that uh, we're working to improve and how that's going to improve in the future. Jack Butler there finishing with some sound advice. Well, Angela McGowan is the new head of the business group, the CBI in Northern Ireland. So what are her priorities as she begins in her role? Jimmy sat down with her and asked what's important to her. Um, meeting the members is very important for me right now, um, particularly the business community. This is, you know, such a an interesting time and a, a very important time for the CBI to be getting feedback from our key members, from getting a sense of uh, where the issues are around the whole Brexit um, issue. Um, what are the opportunities as well that they see, as well as the challenges? And also I'll be focusing on a number of key policy areas, such as, for example, infrastructure, skills and education, um, productivity growth. Well, let's pick some of those issues out in turn. Brexit. Is a consensus emerging among your members as to what we should be arguing for in Northern Ireland? Um, well, I think probably um, there's a, a kind of consensus as to what the big challenges will be, and that will be around things like um, the border, and it will be things like access to skills. Many, many of the um, the members, for example, would have quite a high proportion of um, EU migrants as part of their workforce, and they treasure that and want that to continue. So those issues are emerging right now. Um, in the next week, we will have um, a... a, a council meeting on this and we will decide um, what exactly are the things that we're going to prioritise, what are we going to take forward to government in terms of key asks, if we're looking for flexible arrangements for the Northern Ireland economy, what would they best look like for our members? Um, So those are some of the issues that we'll be teasing out in in the weeks and months ahead. Would you be hopeful that Northern Ireland can, if you like, cut a special deal that would uh, benefit us, uh, something that would be separate from what was available across the UK? Well, I think if there's, um, you know, an opportunity to get flexible arrangements for this economy, it would be very silly of us not to take them because this is just about growing the economy for everyone in Northern Ireland. It's about maximising opportunities, um, regardless of where those opportunities come from. Um, So I think... Probably we have a unique situation here. I think that's recognised by the executive. And I think um, probably, you know, negotiations um, north, south, east, west, they're going to be really important to us. So taking these two islands together, um, I think that uh, we need to have a consensus view on how we see Northern Ireland shaping up um, whenever Article trigger, or Article 50 is triggered next year. And, and you would hope that everybody will be working in the best interests for the Northern Ireland economy. You mentioned infrastructure. Are there any particular projects that you would like to see going ahead? 
Yeah, the um, North-South Energy Interconnector is one that is um, very close to our members' hearts in terms of bringing down energy costs and having security of supply for energy for for the island. Um, York Street Interchange is a very big one in terms of traffic congestion. Um, we certainly know that uh, in terms of the UK, Belfast is one of the more congested cities. And uh, if we want to grow the economy, it's about making sure the infrastructure works well so that we can be competitive and efficient. Um, and and, and just um, other, you know, investment, for example, in roads, the A6 is important too, um, and even um, interconnection, um, flights in and out of the region, flights to access to the UK and, and access to the Republic of Ireland. On a personal note, you're going to have much more engagement, I suspect, with politicians. How do you feel you're going to adapt to that? Um, I think there's only one way to approach this job and it's about thinking why am I doing it and why am I in the CBI and why am I the director for the CBI in Northern Ireland and it's because um, if I go back to my own values it's about trying to create an economy that thrives in Northern Ireland so that it raises living standards for, for local people so regardless of who I talk to across the political spectrum I will continue to hold the economic values close to my heart and I will call it for what it is um, that said there will be times when I don't agree with government decisions and I will you know be more than happy to inform them as to why and to give the member feedback um, but that said I do want to have a partnership approach with government because I think the more we collaborate, the better we work together, the better it is for everyone in terms of of the economy. So that's ultimately what I'll be trying to do, work in partnership with government. But um, I'm always going to be putting, brushing the politics aside and, and calling it for the economy. We wish Angela the best in her new role. Now with a look at what's coming up in the week ahead, here's Neil Parker from First Trust Bank. Coming up, we have a week full of big decisions for the central banks. The last number of years have been characterised by a widespread loosening of monetary policy in many countries and a scaling back of rate hike expectations in economies where policy tightening had been expected to commence. The Bank of England MPC, they're due to make their announcement, and although they had indicated late summer that rates may reduce again this year, UK data has held up better than expected. With that in mind, and the weak pound, I'd expect no move from the UK in interest rates. The US Federal Reserve, they also meet, and despite expectations, they have refrained from putting up US interest rates so far this year, largely due to the financial market volatility. So I'd expect no move now. Instead, we should see a rise from them in December. Our regular listeners will know that it's getting to that time of the show when a startup pitches. This week, it's another of the Propel participants. Those are startups that have been spotted by InvestNI to have potential. Here's Anna McColgan explaining what she does. Hello, my name is Anna McColgan from Vaultproof, and we um, validate suppliers' information to be input into any um, e tendering platform. Because in uh, March 2017, uh, public procurement moves fully digital, the problem for the platforms is that the information coming in, with the exception of construction, is not pre validated, and this can't be done internally within the system so therefore we needed a secure way to be able to transit the information into the system that it was completely validated so that was everything from qualifications id work permits right the way to insurance and financials um, and from there when it transported back out the other side uh, for assessment and contract award 
the information was also secured. So our um, encryption technology was designed by Ulster University and we're working with them to expand on our software um, so that we can then uh, contract manage as well remotely for a lot of the agencies, councils and that type of thing because the level of skills personnel can be vast. So if you have um, security teams working for a council for events, you can have hundreds of people and that can change very quickly over the period of a couple of days of an event. So they must stay on top of that and have that information. And that's what we aim to do. And you can find more information on their website, www.vaultproof.com. And you can find us online on Twitter at The Profit Margin or on Facebook at The Profit Margin. Or you can email me, Naomi, at theprofitmargin.co.uk. Thanks for listening. You're listening to The Profit Margin with First Trust Bank.